Uh, hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before I get to any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, Nzinga Murray. Hey, I'm back. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Oh yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, but yeah, today we are going to uh, continue on our quest for the Badass Women series. Forever and always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the 2003 action comedy film, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Um, this movie was directed by Mick G again and written by John August. Cormac Whipperly and Marianne Whipperly. The logline is a oh, trio. Oh, I know those guys. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a friend who uh, who works with them, so um, heard about them a lot. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. I had no idea. <laughs> that's all. <awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. The logline is a trio of elite women from a private detective agency come together again to recover titanium rings stolen from the U.S. Department of Justice that display the people in the witness protection program when combined. And as witnesses start turning up dead, the angels uncover a mysterious fallen angel while Dylan is forced to face a dark secret from her past, a secret that puts the lives of her two best friends in danger. I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, Screen Rats, and Movie Map. So before you get started though, I just I feel like I need to preface this one because having watched and as most viewers have, like having watched Charlie's Angels 1 to Charlie's Angels 2 yeah charlie's angels 2 is a lot yeah. cheesier in my opinion <laughs> i think that's important to know. oh yeah it's yeah it's not it's not that great <laughs> well no I, it's still fun like if you like if you appreciate it for what it is it's still fun but like going into this i feel like the viewers or the listeners at home should know that it's it's campier it's a little it's a little cheesier it's like it's they're sort of it almost feels like they're making fun of themselves whereas like the first one they're trying to establish themselves as like a new, like revamped franchise, like take us seriously. And then this one, it's sort of like, we've done it. Like the first one was yeah. amazing. Let's have fun. <laughs> Would you say? Yeah, yeah. Cause like there were like, I would say the CGI isn't as great as the first what? one was it was it was pretty bad but like now that you mentioned that oh like i feel like that they were making fun of themselves that they didn't really care that i was like okay like that that helps with uh the cgi <laughs> yeah no it's uh i feel like they did all of that on purpose you know like and you're gonna get into it but like there's I feel like it was just it was just meant to be like we got a sequel let's let's have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From the original film, Cameron Diaz comes back as Natalie Cook, Drew Barrymore comes back as Dylan Sanders, 
And Lucy Liu comes back as Alex Monday. And then for the new cast, you have Bernie Mac as Jimmy Bosley. Uh, you may know him from the Mer Bernie Mac show, the Ocean's Eleven trilogy, Bad Santa, and Guess Who? Which I feel like that that was like my favorite remake of like a film, Guess Who? Yeah, agreed. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Justin Thoreau as Seamus O'Grady. Okay. Uh, you may know him. Before we go on, though, like, so I, I, I'm i embarrassed to say that I didn't know who that was beforehand. And <laughs> I guess I've been mixing him up with Justin Trudeau. Oh, my the God, the Prime, Prime Minister. Minister of <laughs> so I apologize. In my opinion, they look similar. So I was like, oh, he did some acting before he, you know, <laughs> ran the country. Yeah. <laughs> so I apologize, Justin Trudeau <laughs> and Justin Thoreau. Yeah. I mean, no worries. Like, I, for the longest time, I didn't know how to say his last name. Mm -hmm. I just, I was like, yeah, it's a very difficult name. But then I did look up. On an, in an interview and he does say Justin Thoreau and apparently he's from like a very prominent like family because I think like his uncle is like a well-known writer and then like his cousins are all well-known writers like it's very interesting in Canada no uh no Justin Thoreau like just his family uh, well, not yeah. not he's, trudeau but he's not but justin thoreau is not canadian <laughs> no no he's american he's not, oh god <laughs> okay. i feel like that needs to be clarified for me <laughs> yeah no worries <laughs> but yeah you may know him from mulholland drive uh the girl on the train uh which is me and elise's favorite movie to make fun of really <laughs> Yeah, because there was a scene, I kid you not, there's a scene where Emily Blunt, she plays the main character, uh, she's like carrying this baby, and then when she gets spotted for taking this woman's baby, she like places the baby on the ground and just kind of like walk, like fast walks, walks away, away. <laughs> like pretending that she doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, shout out to Elise Dean. I know her well, so um, that's really funny. I can only imagine the hilarity that ensued when you guys watched that together. <laughs> yeah, I remember we, we saw it in a movie theater uh, when it came out because Elise wanted to see it. And, like We were the only ones that were laughing at some parts of the film, and everyone was taking it seriously because it was kind of like like Gone Girl, but not as serial killer as it was. Well, listeners, yeah. let it be known that um, Jeanette and Elise um, are an interesting pair to watch a movie with. They're, they're very <laughs> rowdy. They're very rowdy at the wrong time. <laughs> so, keep that in mind in case you see them in a theater. <laughs> Oh god! Oh, we should we should like all three of us should talk about Bird Box. Like, oh day. yeah, Let's that was some fun. That. <laughs> yeah, bring uh, like speaking of like watching a film <laughs> together. Uh, but yeah, so he was also in The Spy Who Dumped Me and The Leftovers, which is an HBO show. Mm. And then you have Demi Moore as Madison Lee. You may know her from St. Elmo's 
Fire, Ghost, A Few Good Men, The Scarlet Letter, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, which is the Disney animated film. Wait, who is she there? She played Esmeralda. Okay, well that uh, is offensive. But anyway, I was going to say <laughs> before before you said that, is that uh, I'll also uh, preface this as like, Demi Moore, despite the fact that Justin Thoreau did not own a shirt in this movie, um, in the yeah. full throttle, Demi Moore was the cringiest person in this movie. <laughs> so, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Also, like, for this sequel, there was, like, a lot of cameos. So I didn't want to go bit by bit, so I'm just going to just, sh- like, throw it out there. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> so there were also appearances from Robert Patrick, who played Ray Carter, Shia LaBeouf, who played Max Petroni, Janae Dubois, Love who her. plays Mama bosley yes she is from the jeffersons for those of you who don't know no good time she was on good time oh she was on good time yeah yeah and then she did no wait she did the same song for the jeffersons right yeah uh, oh yeah maybe i didn't know yeah. that that's cool <laughs> <laughs> crispin glevin as the creepy thin man luke wilson as Pete, matt leblanc as jason john cleese as alex's dad uh, Bruce Willis as Will Bailey. And this was back uh, when Car- Bruce Willis and Demi Moore were still married, which is why yeah, he was like, probably there. <laughs> yeah, like when this came out, I think they just broken up. Like oh. they were just announcing their divorce. So okay, that so was, like they probably uh, when they filmed it, they were heading into peril in their yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Carrie Fisher as Mother Superior, which I completely forgot that she was in here like i completely forgot yeah she falls under the radar of it i think it's because of the um the nun outfit that she's wearing yeah like you you have no idea who you're looking at (laughs) robert foster as roger wixon melissa mccarthy so she was this woman that was at the crime scene as like a crime analyst yeah which makes no sense because she's in the first movie. Yeah. So like, wait, did different. she just? Yeah. Did she skip careers? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you also had Pink, uh, Mary Kay, and Ashley Olsen before their other sister came in and took over the spotlight. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eve. Yep. Big boy before he lost weights. Uh, Anthony Griffin. Eric Bogosian, Bogosian, uh, Chris Pontius, Ban Margera. Ban Margera was there? I missed that. <laughs> yeah, he was one of, like, the the people at the warehouse. Like, I guess during the fight scene. Really? He, was there. he is yeah. Irish. That makes sense. Now I need to rewatch it. <laughs> Just find Ban Margera <laughs> in one scene. That's funny. <laughs> and then you also have Tommy uh, Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Uh Andrew Wilson, he played the cop um, when they were at the crime scene. Yeah. He was the one that was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa. yeah, yeah. With the mustache. Mm-hmm. The Pussycat Dolls, uh, before they became a singing group. <laughs> for like half a year. <laughs> yeah, for like a hot second. Yeah. And then like one of them skyrocketed on her own. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Jacqueline Smith as Carrie Garrett. And John Forsyth as Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's a that's a huge cast. See, that's what I'm saying though. Like, I feel like it's part of 
the cheese they're like we got a sequel let's have some fun with it let's bring all our friends on to do random things yeah <laughs> like i think that's what it was it was like it was just a big fun movie for them yeah i feel like that maybe like they just figured that they weren't going to have like a third film so they were like okay let's just like go out yeah and i bet you all of those people were just like we were such fans of the first movie it was funny do you want me to come yeah. in and like be a goofy cop for like half a second you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a day, like most of these people you named were like were there for probably a day of work. <laughs> exactly. Or not even just a day, like maybe half a day. Like yeah. 30 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of the backstory, so I couldn't find any information about how they decided to create the sequel or how many rewrites they did, like the last film. However, the storyline for Madison Lee was originally meant to be the main plot for the third film. However, it is unknown if the plot was moved to this film because the plot didn't have enough story. Like, it's kind of unknown. So the film was written by John August, Cormac Wibberley, and Marianne Wibberley. Wibbly. So August wrote Big Fish, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, and the live adaptation of Aladdin. So if you didn't like the live adaptation, this is the guy that you need to complain about. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like the one person who did, so good for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also wrote the first Charlie's Angels movie. And then for Cormac Wibberly and Mary Ann Wibberly, they're a husband and wife writing couple who wrote the National Treasure film series, Bad Boys 2, which is probably one of my favorite of like the Bad Boys franchise. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I Spy. <laughs> I will say um, just from what I know about them, they're still a married writing couple, um, mostly in television right now. And my guess is, um, and I have, I have no skin in the game. So if this is wrong, please feel free to like mention in the comments nicely that I'm wrong. Um, but my guess is that if all three of them were working on it, there was probably a rewrite done where either cause, and they were like, they were really popular back then. So my guess is mm -hmm. like, if they had the original writer from, from the first one, they probably hired, um, the Wibberleys to come in and do a rewrite for them after the fact, that would be my my first guess because they do do that a lot that's that's what i would know just knowing of them <laughs> yeah so i mean like that's cool <laughs> yeah i mean like there are people who just do remake you know just do rewrites yeah. or just hire for rewrites and stuff so yeah that totally makes sense mm -hmm. bill murley mur sorry bear bill murley <laughs> bill murley bill murray <laughs> Bill Murray uh, did not reprise his role as Bosley because he refused to work with Mick G. And then we also know about the incident with Lucy Liu. Yeah, we and... talked about in the last the last episode that there was a bit of a verbal altercation on set. Um, so it's not surprising that he uh, he left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, apparently, like he was also like just like a horrible guy on set with other people so it wasn't just lucy Liu and yeah. mcg jamie fox was originally going to play uh jim bosley but they gave it to bernie mac which i'm kind of glad it's yeah, like same. i kind of feel bernie mac does a better job yeah also do i feel like jamie fox would have been too young to do that part at the time like bosley's supposed to be about as the, the same age as charlie 
And yeah. Jamie Foxx would have been closer to the angel's age. And I can't picture him being like, like he's almost supposed to be like a father figure almost. And like, uh-huh. I can see Jamie Foxx like being cringy, you know, like, yeah. so I'm glad they recast this. <laughs> but also too, what was the original Bosley's name? It wasn't Jimmy Bosley. So what was it? <laughs> Oh, I think his, like, original name was John Bosley, so they just, like, yeah, it's very weird. Okay, so John and James, is is Jimmy short for James, right? So John and James Bosley? Yeah. Super original there. (laughs) Well, because, like, it's kind of weird because, like, they did have, like, this whole explanation that apparently the original Bosley, you know, lived with Jimmy Bosley. Yeah. So they're kind of like <laughs> brothers from different mothers, but they're like really great friends. You know what I mean? It's like very weird. Yeah, we I mean and, we're gonna get into it, but they're like he basically it's like a black family that adopts a white son <laughs> into their yeah. family. <laughs> which is you know, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. It could happen. Sure. <laughs> Courtney Love was offered for the role of Madison Lee, but she turned it down, which I'm kind of glad because, I don't know, I don't think she's that great of an actress, to be quite honest. Yeah, I don't see that one. I no. can't see that. During the dance scene with MC Hammer's Can't Touch This, uh, Barry and Lou had to wear heels in order to fit in the same frame as Cameron Diaz, while Diaz had to be barefoot because of her height i noticed that i totally noticed that they're wearing like wedges or something because cameron diaz is so freaking tall (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes so much more sense (laughs) i didn't even put that together but that's that's a really great note (laughs) so whenever justin uh thoreau emerges onto the screen the same song for the 1991 film cape fear would play in the background and for those of you who don't know what what the movie cave fear is is basically robert de niro playing this like criminal who gets released from prison and then he goes and targets this i think it was like a lawyer that put him away uh for like this like life term or something um but yeah that's kind of what cape fear was interesting the okay yeah (laughs) I guess I can see it, but I feel like you have to be like a hardcore movie buff to like be like, oh yeah, the connection. Like I totally missed that. Yeah, I mean, like you you literally had to be like a big fan of Martin Scorsese to like understand like, oh yeah, this is like Cape Fear. But yeah, there were notable places that they shot in. So for the private orphanage um, slash school. Uh, they shot at the Playboy Mansion. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also uh, shot at Union Station, the Greystone Mansion, the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, uh, Sheets and Goldstein Residence. So th- I th- believe that's the place that Alex and Jason were living in. Uh, okay. Griffith Park. Uh, particularly the Griffith Observatory, mm-hmm. uh, the Los Angeles Theater, uh, the Cent- Century Plaza, and uh, the Broadway Street in downtown L.A. Oh, wow. They were all over L.A. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they stayed They stayed on location. Even though, isn't the Playboy Mansion in like... No, it may be in, in L.A., right? Or is it in like Nevada? Yeah, it's in <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's funny because like, that I felt like at least for me the vibe for 
the Playboy, um, the, or not the Playboy mansion, but like the orphanage scene was very sexual. So that uh, that tracks. But also too, they brought a bunch of children, child actors to Playboy Mansion. That's yeah. that doesn't track. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little, a little weird. Hopefully, they hid all the uh, inappropriate things. <laughs> yeah, they're just all in Hugh Hefner's bedroom, so none of the children well, were in there. Well, it kind of seemed like that they were just they only just shot outside because they think like when they were talking to Mother Superior. They were outside, like in like this, like little, like oh, like patio. an archway. Okay, yeah. So like yeah. inside so maybe... was off limits to children and everybody. Yeah, else. yeah. <laughs> Got it. Carrie Fisher's character is uh, a homage to the scene from the Blues Brothers. So, uh, in the Blues Brothers, there is this nun called Mother Superior who asked John and Elwood to, um, you know, help like the orphanage and like help them out with like raising money for the church and such and there's also the scene where they're sitting at these desks and she asks them to move the desk forward and she also uh uses this long wooden pointer to display her disapproval at unacceptable behavior yeah i feel um, like you know and where my mind went to was that in the first movie lucy Liu is holding a pointer in um that scene where she's supposed to be like she's like the the dominatrix um lady in the office and she's yeah. like slamming it on like the desk to like and it sort of turns on all the men in the office and i think at one point she like slaps drew barrymore in the thigh with it or something yeah <laughs> and so that's where my mind when i was like i feel like that scene really resonated with the filmmakers and so they brought it back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so drew barrymore was an advocate for gun control so as a result she condoned gun violence and i believe this is also uh, in connection to the first film so she made sure that the main characters didn't have guns and only use like you know combat to fight wait and so she's for guns or against guns against guns she's oh, like for it. gun control so <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah like basically she didn't want to have like the main characters like always have guns to kind of glorify weapons and right okay and violence with guns so she was like yeah like we're just not gonna have the main characters use guns for the flashback scene with dylan and seamus singing uh living on the prayer they wanted to play that however uh, the rights for the song were too expensive for the producers to acquire so apparently barrymore called john buck john bon jovi himself and declare her undying love for the song and i was like oh like this song should be in this film especially for the scene it's really great like it's you know almost required basically and i guess after hearing her story bon jovi decided to find a loophole where she could play the song without paying too much for the royalties. Yeah, and so because Drew Barrymore is who she is, and she's had such an illustrious career, she can just call up John Bon Jovi and he'll take the the call. <laughs> because yeah. she basically knows everyone, especially like 80s, 90s, 
early aughts like she's just no she knows so many people that she can her her phone list is probably insane <laughs> yeah she probably has like multiple phones for each decade basically yeah, seriously <laughs> oh man that would be wild <laughs> Chris Pontus, he's like one of the uh, cameos in the film, and he's also from Jackass. Uh, he admits to hating the film. Yeah, that's all he said. <laughs> he just hates it, but doesn't explain why. And there were plans to have a third and fourth movie in development. However, the ideas were canceled as a result of poor box office openings. Um, for, for Full Throttle? Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But so yeah, like this, the, so one was like really successful and then two was a flop basically. Yeah, basically. I mean like um there were praise for the three women and their performances, but they felt that the plot wasn't as strong as the first film. Um okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, in terms of the story, so the film starts with Columbia Pictures Lady, kind of like what happened in the first film, only that it zooms into this torch that she's holding. And we are taken into Mongolia, where a large group of men gather at this bar, which I believe is also a hostel, as a couple of them bring in this box to the basement. And... (laughs) As they leave, the box, like, the screws, like, come undone. And then Alex Monday uh, just climbs out from the Cirque du Soleil technique. Like, it looked like her, like, she, her face was in her ass, literally. Like, <laughs> the way that it was, that she was positioned. She was a like, pretzel. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so she hops out of the box and then she hides behind this wall as an unknown guy is beaten up. Meanwhile, Dylan Sanders finished this drinking competition uh, with another guy before taking uh, keys from a third guy. Like, and it's kind of weird because (laughs) she drinks and then she like runs into this guy and it was like this huge long pause. And then finally she undoes the clip that contains these keys uh, from him and see that's what i'm saying about this movie and i'm probably gonna have to say it a lot <laughs> yeah but just like there's no explanation for this like she's just sort of like it the whole thing is just random and cheesy and makes no sense but they're just trying to like squeeze as much hilarity out of it as possible <laughs> so, yeah so why so why is drew barrymore in a mongolian bar um doing um what are they called when you uh what am i doing uh with the oh arm wrestling. arm wrestling arm wrestling a random mongolian man <laughs> yeah you know and then steals the keys right off another man and no one says anything like they don't even explain stuff they're just like let's just lay out the cheese gouda cheddar provolone like it's just gonna be a cheesy ass movie <laughs> so that's what we're getting <laughs> yeah and then like um so she walks through this pillar and it kind of like waits like a few seconds before Natalie like she comes in and pretends to be the Swedish woman that thinks that this is a hostel oh my gosh she spots this mechanical bull okay and just uh again (laughs) this is a blonde woman she's wearing like an all-white like I don't even know it's like a snow bunny outfit I guess 
but they're yeah. but they're like on the top of a mountain. There's probably a hundred dudes in this bar, and she walks in looking lost. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. She's looking lost, and then she goes and rides an inexplicable mechanical bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And no one questions anything. They're just like, yay, there's someone here to ride the mechanical bull. <laughs> just, just no one, they're just like, let's just lay it in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so she goes on this mechanical bull and she tries to distract the men while Alex and Dylan try to rescue uh, this guy who turns out to be U.S. Marshal Ray Carter. And... It's kind of weird because, like, just as Dylan was about to open the basement doors, this, like, big guy, like, <laughs> comes to in his alcoholism and it just falls right on top of the door. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, uh, move him. Meanwhile, like, Alex and Ray try to push it, but Ray's, like, injured from his ribs and he's like, oh, like, I can't. I can't do it. So then they kind of wait until the guy kind of caves in the door. And then, yeah, yeah, they miraculously come out. <laughs> and like, this is as... definitely a more comedic uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as, like, they leave, they try to leave the hostel, the falcon, like, this falcon, like, just cause. <laughs> causing, like, the men to turn away from Natalie. It literally uh, signals them that someone something's happening so that not only do they have like a hundred mongolian men but they also have a falcon who's on their team who calls out he's the lookout who calls out when something's popping off <laughs> yeah when this happens like the the women perform this like grand intro sequence before the man just steps aside for one of like this one guy to bring out these like large machine guns yeah they're like strapped to his body he's yeah like, he's drinking at a bar and he conveniently has machine guns strapped to the side of each like on either side of him that he's ready yeah i feel like that's a bit of overkill like there's already a bunch of dudes in the bar right and there's three women <laughs> And rather than just taking them on yourselves, you pull out one dude with a machine gun. They literally parted ways like the Red Sea and let him just go ham. <laughs> this made no sense. Oh, God. But yeah, so, like, they find out, like, that this guy's going to kill them. So then they just escape by jumping through this window. And then they find this like car that's just right there just ma miraculously there and it kind of seemed like they were on the hoover dam also <laughs> which where are they supposed to be i've already missed that part they're like i think they're in, supposed like... to be in mongolia but it looks like the hoover dam bridge <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> the cheese. The cheese. so so they were like driving away but then they, they encountered this tank that's like on one end and then there was like this military commander with an RPG missile on the other end and the tank shoots they try to veer off the bridge and basically fall off the bridge while sure. uh, the commander shoots his missile and then like just somehow the missiles just pass each other and then hit the other side and meanwhile 
as like the women are still falling from this bridge, <laughs> they just somehow with the power of CGI, they manage to get into this helicopter and start it before they hit the ground. <laughs> and then they, they they fly away to safety. You know, That's... I'm a little upset that this movie didn't do well because this is basically <laughs> Fast and Furious. <laughs> yes! Yes! Like, I would say so. Like, I would say, like, the CGI from Fast and Furious is as pretty bad as this film. Like, <laughs> Oh, for sure. For sure. That, yeah, I, even though it makes so... no sense that this didn't do better. <laughs> yeah, even though, like, they're both, like what like 10 year difference like if we're talking about like the fast eight and such yeah. it's like a 10 year difference the cgi still looks shit <laughs> yeah for sure like on purpose i i bet you they were like hey let's watch full throttle before we write this movie <laughs> <laughs> so uh the commander uh get calls uh, this unknown woman uh, to inform her that a hostage have like got away causing the woman to order him to go into plan b so like they're speaking i'm assuming in mandarin chinese i believe and to be quite honest you could totally tell that demi Moore is not saying chinese <laughs> like she's not speaking chinese like it's it sounds like uh michelle yon from like uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon mm. it sounds like her like they just hired like an actress to speak uh chinese <laughs> for her i mean <laughs> they clearly had the budget <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> the film uh then goes through the series of montage kind of like the same with the first film where they talk about how oh all, like all three women come from different backgrounds and they're joined together to become angels and the narrator informs them that he is their boss named charlie yeah like we like we yeah. needed to know that again <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> wait what's what's this film again <laughs> who's angels <laughs> so it cuts to uh the justice department official like entering this private jet and this is bruce willis uh, for those of you who don't know, yeah, he's got uh, a nice, so he, he's got a nice like patchy beard that he's growing in, um, so you can uh -huh. tell that he was just like in between films, um, and they were like, "We'll take you as you you come, like just put on a suit, we got you." <laughs> yeah, I think this might have been around the time that he probably was doing Armageddon. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cause he probably uh, had the same, did he look exactly the same in Armageddon? Yeah, cause he he had like a very like bleach blonde hair going on yeah and then he kind of had like a scruff uh also going on too okay because like in, in charlie's angels he's like he kind of looks like a like a salt and peppery silver foxy type of thing yeah yeah i mean he's i just like... called bruce willis a silver fox <laughs> For <Christ. laughs> which is kind of funny because he's he's not like he's okay he's like average looking but i wouldn't consider him as attractive i think and universally though he's considered to be a hunk like i don't know he's got a he's got an interesting face but um like i wouldn't date him but i think yeah he uh he's supposed to be known as a hunk like ever since um that that one movie that everyone talks about all the time <laughs> like his main movie <laughs> oh uh die hard thank you yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry like 
that movie, he's supposed to be considered a hunk because of that movie. <laughs> eh, like, I kind of felt like he was, like, Mario, like, in Mario? Mar- Super- <laughs> yeah, like, he's just some plumber that's, like, saving Princess Peach. Like, it kind of feels like oh that. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. I feel like we need to watch <laughs> Die Hard again so I can picture him as Mario the plumber saving Princess Peach. That's freaking hilarious. I'm sorry that we're... We segued out of the main movie we're talking about, but this needs to be unpacked. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he's like waiting for the plane to go, and then it's just silence. So he walks out. He kind of like peeps. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, where is my whole crew in this yeah. airplane hangar? And he looks out of a plane to see everyone is dead. And it's not even like, it's not like three people. It's like 50 dead people just laying yeah. out about in an airplane hangar. <laughs> just fully and it, dead. And it's so funny because like, there's no blood. Like people are literally just like, okay, just lie there and play dead. Like that is literally right. what they're told. <laughs> Seriously. And like completely missed it. I just, I don't know. Like an airplane hangar is a weird place for everybody to die and you not to notice until after the fact yeah i mean surely you would hear echoes right (laughs) i mean among other things like screams or gunshots (laughs) (laughs) he like rushes over to his briefcase to grab something only for this unknown person to kind of like spider-man into the plane (laughs) upside down uh, with this golden gun holding him at gunpoint. Uh, so he kind of like holds his hands up. The person takes this, uh, this official's ring uh, before killing him. Also too, and like I, how, how lame, like I don't know why, but something about having a golden gun pointed at like a US official feels like it, it sort of adds to the cheese I've been talking about, but like really? <laughs> It's like, it's like I feel like it, it's just someone like having fun, you know, like yeah. to to murder a, like a senator with a golden gun. Really, <laughs> that's like someone who doesn't know how to gun shop. <laughs> yeah. That's probably like, Drew Barrymore's like... doing. She was like, if we're gonna have guns, they have to look insane. <laughs> yeah, they gotta look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so back uh, in California, Dylan. And Alex helped Natalie move in boxes as she's moving in with Pete, um, her boyfriend. And a- after, like, doing the hammer dance uh, sequence, Pete tells everyone that, oh, he got invited to this high school reunion. While Dylan and Alex are happy for Natalie. Then, like, Alex is alone and someone does, like, this fake accent. Like, trying to be, like, a trope of, like, a bad guy and he touches her uh, shoulder and then she does this like kind of like combat where she throws him over her shoulder and then yeah. like slams him on the ground like, surprise flips him um which yeah. is like if you're gonna have matt leblanc in a movie then he needs to be um manhandled so i appreciated that scene a lot so yeah. thank you thank you so much yeah you're welcome <laughs> I was thinking the filmmakers, but okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but it turns out to be Jason. And this is kind of where we find out that they're kind of on like a time out 
quote unquote in their relationship. So wait, but do they not say to- why? No, it, no. It, it, yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, they're just like oh, is it, it it doesn't. I feel like they had a hard time making up a storyline for Lucy Lou for some reason. And so they were like, well, she was dating him in the first one and she wanted him to know about what she does but couldn't really figure it out. Now she's basically doing the same thing with her dad and let's put her on a break, but he really wants to, we still want him in the movie, so he really wants to still be there for her. I feel like they tried a little bit harder with the white women. So for me like wasn't really impressed with what they were doing with her <laughs> with her story. They could have tried. They had all that money and they could have tried a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's my rant uh, for the day on uh white women. <laughs> yeah, I mean like you could tell like in this film that they're kind of like struggling to try to put in like plot hole like plot points and like kind of like some uh, challenges for each character and like an evenly as possible so yeah I totally agree yeah <laughs> though Jason wants to get back together with her Alex ignores him and then he just goes and talks to everyone else and like he does this where he's like putting his weight on Ashley oh sorry on Alex who's like holding this like big ass tv Back when it was a big ass TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when TVs had butts and they didn't have, they weren't flat screens. So she's just holding yeah. this massive old television by herself. Yeah, that's like thirty inches. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The cheese. Uh, the cheese. I feel like that's so the name he... of the game. This 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 episode is the cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he informs everyone of his like movie premiere was it which is kind of like a mission impossible ish um movie and he gives everyone tickets to come to the premiere but the leaders are called in for their next assignments and when they head to their office oh just uh, say one other thing is like um i can't remember um oh pete pete and jason um from uh, the first movie to the second movie are now friends. Um, even though Alex and Jason are broken up, for some reason, Pete and Jason are now good friends. And they both know about Charlie, and they both know that they know about Charlie. Um, yeah. None of it of which has been explained, but just an FYI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they head to the office, and they're greeted by Jim Bosley, the new assistant to Charlie, Hugh just started a couple weeks prior and And surprise he's black (laughs) yeah (laughs) he becomes fascinated by the equipment and it's kind of funny because like there was this like one part where the um kind of like the mantle above the fireplace like just jumps to this video and he like freaks out he's like oh my god like you guys gotta see me (laughs) like yeah yeah, uh, and I feel like it was I for me like it felt like and I and I remember telling um, my roommate this when we were watching it, but like it felt like none of the jokes were actually written by Bernie Mac at all. Yeah. <laughs> so he was just delivering lines from people who like couldn't pull off Bernie Mac type comedy, so they didn't land very well. <laughs> no. So, so they you could tell like you could tell like um, Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu especially and. Um, and Drew Barrymore were just sort of like 
forcing laughs out of these jokes that they put on this man. Yeah. <laughs> and starting with him, him being excited about their their television. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, you've never seen a TV before? Okay. <laughs> you never seen, like, what, Robocop or, like, some other futuristic film? Yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah. also, too, like, the whole storyline is that your brother used to have this job. Like, you've never talked to him about it before? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure that Bosley was, like, okay to talk about to his family. Like, I don't think it was, like, that secret of a Also, Also, too, like, you, because it has to be a Bosley, is this, like, a family line thing? Because, like, Charlie only hires people with the last name Bosley. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, he was primed to be next anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because, like, I wonder if, like... Bosley is just kind of like M from uh 007 where mm. like it's just like someone whose name M that could be That's anyone. Fair. So he could just he could he just, as long as their last name is Bosley, he'll consider them for the position. Or he could just like have them like change their name to Bosley or just like have like a pseudonym as Bosley. Like they could be like Oh, that's know. fair. But in this, you know what I mean? in this case, though, they were both, their last names were both Bosley because they're brothers. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, okay, I guess it's like a, okay, yeah, I guess I get that. That would have been more fun, though, if he was like, yeah. part of the job requirement is you have to legally change your last name to Bosley. <laughs> hey, I mean, like, for what, like, men in black, they have to remove all of their fingerprints. So, that's I mean... true. Oh, yeah, don't tell me about that. Ugh. <laughs> I hate that's my least favorite scene of Men in Black of all the scenes in Men in Black. (laughs) So they burn their fingerprints off. Sorry, you were saying not not like the aliens or just like the pulling of the skin. None of that. Just the fingers. Yeah. Not not a Vincent D'Onofrio like eating people. (laughs) Just 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 the fingerprint burning. (laughs) They call Charlie. And he informs them that the previous case they worked on has taken a turn. So Charlie lets them know that they need to recover two titanium rings that were stolen from the Department of Justice. And the project is called Halo. And it's basically when these two rings are combined, they contain information uh, from the witness protection and they're also informed that the peop- that a couple of people have already died in the process. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so they pick one of them <laughs> and they head to San Bernardino, of all places, uh, acting as the CSI team. Mm-hmm. And they have the uh, main song for the CBS show, CIS. Which was, which was really big back then. So um, it's... Oh, yeah. it's- it, it makes sense that they would sort of do um, a bit of a, a callback to them because it was so popular back then. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously they're con- they're just making fun of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, the women are dressed up in, like, different outfits, uh, especially with Natalie, who, like, comes out in this very, like, like butch look where she has, like a kind of like a mullet uh not kind of she's definitely she definitely yeah she has a mullet yeah (laughs) and she's wearing like these thick uh i don't i don't know if they put her in like a fat suit or something because it looks like she's in a fat suit (laughs) i feel like that it might have been like mom jeans because it kind of 
rised up. But they gave her and like it a puffs gut. out a bit. They gave yeah. her like a weird sort of like belly, uh, like a beer belly almost. That yeah. she fit her like um, what is it? Um, flannel shirt over, and then like her uh, high water. Uh, <laughs> this is hard to explain. Her like high water khakis. <laughs> yeah. She looked insane. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, when it cuts to Bernie Mac, he's just known as the coroner. Yeah. And it's funny because he he doesn't like touching dead bodies, which who who wouldn't who wouldn't want yeah to also touch dead bodies? day two of his freaking job yeah they have him messing with a body uh so they enter the house and investigate but like prior to entering into the house they deal with this cop that's like whoa 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 like i can't let anyone in yeah taking and his then, job way too seriously yeah like so serious that it's like dude like calm down you're a cop like you're not a detective or a special agent nothing yeah <laughs> you're a cop uh so they enter the house and investigate and they find out the guy uh died from someone that probably was a surfer because i guess he came into the house by using his credit card and yeah. that credit card had like a pineapple wax on it, which sure. use <laughs> the conclusion they came to. Um, but no, I, real quick, I just want to say because I was thinking about it. I think it's Alex and Dylan. Maybe they were dressed like in the weirdest outfits for me. Like it was like a business suit, but they weren't wearing any um, pants. You know, they were wearing like short business skirt. Like, you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, yeah. it made me think about, because it's funny that you mentioned CSI, because CSI Miami, they used to do that all the time. Like, there'd be a huge crime scene, and those folks were always dressed extremely inappropriately for <laughs> for investig- yeah. investigating a crime. Like, they always look like, like, I like if you watch CSI Miami, like, there's the, the that main blonde woman, like, she would wear a full body white business suit in like a fully charred like mansion of a house right and yeah nothing would get on her white suit and so like when you see lucy Liu like in the in the crime scene like you know trying to uh i think she's like analyzing footprints or something and she's like on her knees <laughs> like they didn't take like the fact that they didn't even consider that that was the dumbest outfit to wear <laughs> during a crime investigation <laughs> like believe it or not mullet girl over there uh <laughs> was dressed was dressed the most appropriate to be investigating crimes oh and bernie back because he's wearing he's actually wearing like uh one yeah of those, he's like, wearing like a corners outfit yeah so like, he he yeah but the rest of the, no one said anything of course and they're just they're just investigating a crime like with no pants <laughs> yeah and it, i i know that it's trivial but like when outfits are just wrong it bothers me (laughs) and they looked crazy oh yeah no worries yeah like it's it it i think like basically they were like oh like if cameron diaz is going to look like a boy we should have we should balance it out by having uh drew and lucy to dress up in like these like you know skimpy outfits yeah and i don't know if i'd say boy she looked more like butch i guess she yeah. looked more like that, like uh, like she was gonna go to like a bowling tournament after that. 
That's mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so uh, they head back to L.A. And when that happens, Mr. Monday, Alex's dad, arrives. And he becomes shocked by Alex's friends because... He was like, oh, are you guys uh, surgeons, like neurosurgeons, like my daughter is? And Alex is, like, behind him, like, trying to be like, no, no, don't say anything or just, like, go with the flow. And it's kind of like an awkward conversation where they're trying to hide her real job. And so it makes Mr. Monday feel like that there's something going on. And uh, so... That happens for a very quick second. Then they just randomly go to the beach to spot out a surfer that may have the same pineapple wax <laughs> that the killer had. Yeah, like, but they're in California, so there's, like, hundreds of beaches there. Yeah. But they yeah. they knew they'd find the right one at that beach. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So they have, like, Bernie Mac in, like, this, like, one-piece suit going up to just, like, random people be like, oh, like, are you a surfer? Like, that type of thing. But because he doesn't know how to, like, this is his, like, first time working, he's just, like, yelling, like, being like, oh, yeah, this is, like, nice weather. <laughs> right. And also, isn't he, like, licking people's surfboards? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, this is great, right? It's great. It's great. Oh my gosh. That actually was funny. <laughs> That's probably the funniest scene he has. While that happens, Natalie is like acting as a surfer. And while she's like waxing her board, she encounters Madison Lee, who's a former Angels uh, from Charlie's Angel. And she detects that Natalie is on a possible suspect. Suspect search and whispers that she changes the locks on Charlie's uh, VCR, making Dylan and Alex, who are at this hot dog on a stick uh, stand, giddy and <laughs> and like finding that oh that's Madison that's the one that invented the molar mic and <laughs> yeah because so, like because like Demi Moore like gets really close to Cameron Diaz. And she starts, and at, at first you almost think, and she's laying it on real thick, but like you think she's gonna like make out with her, but she's just talking into her tooth. And yeah. she's like, she, it's, it's very seductive and like probably a little overly seductive. And she like sticks her mouth like really close to her, like Cameron Diaz's mouth, just so she can say yeah. that she invented the molar mic. It's like they can hear you. Okay. They can yeah. hear you. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think they can hear you just like talking normally. <laughs> right. <laughs> But they were they were they were trying to do a sexy thing. It didn't work, mm -hmm. but they tried. Yeah, yeah, and also there was like so many slow motions because like in this scene there was like I don't know twenty billion slow motions with like the slow motion of Demi Moore running up to her car. Well, that's the uh, <laughs> era. I feel like if you're gonna have like a half naked woman on a on a with a surfboard. She's got to be running slow motions, like classic. They were doing a Baywatch thing, and, you know, they le leaned I... into it hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, she did, uh, like, small talk with Natalie, 
and she's like oh like you know i'll see charlie soon or like kind of as a joke because like you don't see charlie like at (laughs) all (laughs) so uh when she leaves um alex brings up that uh soon uh they will leave charlie in the future and then dylan kind of panics thinking that natalie said something to her but alex assures that natalie didn't but notes that she will soon get married uh to pete and may want to move to a safer job uh position which Um, made no sense because i feel like the one who's the happiest about what they're doing is uh uh natalie (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's like she's just happy to be there like fully just like enjoying the ride so i feel like if anybody's job is safe it's gonna be natalie's job because she's just so enthusiastic you know yeah so it just it felt unnecessary for dylan to be so nervous that she would quit if especially too if she just got engaged like relax yeah it's like calm down she's not gonna get married yeah (laughs) Yeah. they they just they were building unnecessary tension that just wasn't there like i feel like if it was if it was alex's story i can see alex being like well i'm lying to everyone (laughs) you know so it makes sense but like it just made no sense (laughs) so yeah like um so this causes uh dylan to think about her staying at the company until she's like this old woman and it kind of goes to this like small montage where originally it's the three of them then natalie leaves and is replaced by the singer eve (laughs) and then like i guess like decades later both alex and natalie are gone including eve and they're replaced with the olsen twins uh with dylan still there but as like this old woman (laughs) yeah she's just having like a panic attack about like the where the angels will end up she'll be an elderly woman and her two partners are the olsen twins who were probably what like 19 at the time or something (laughs) yeah i think so i think this was like what like maybe around the time that they were doing new york minute (laughs) oh yeah so they were like they were younger yeah and they they still had like enthusiasm and happiness and joy in their lives yeah so before yeah yeah (laughs) before 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 the olsen twins that we know now (laughs) yeah the one that looks like just i'm sorry to say this but they look like skeletons married to like very old men (laughs) they yeah they're they've been through a lot (laughs) yeah definitely been through a lot (laughs) yeah uh, she snaps out of it as their possible suspect heads to his car to change. And then Natalie comes up to him and is like kind of flirting with him and distracting him while Alex and Dylan look through his wallet and some of his items while they're like underneath the car. And then when he leaves, because he doesn't even say anything, he just looks at her and disgusts. Yeah, she and it like, just leaves. Natalie's like laying it on thick with the sexual innuendos and he is yeah. not here for it at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh when he leaves, uh Natalie discovers that his credit card had the same uh residue that was found at the crime scene she does like a little quick lick and it's like oh this is sex pineapple sure, sure, uh, sure. <laughs> so they also noticed that he had a flyer uh for this motocross race with the name of a possible tar- target so they head to this uh place called the coal 
bowl, which obviously it really does look like this was shot at Backlot <laughs> in yeah, a studio. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're just like a, a motocross like setup somewhere in California, you know, where yeah. like the construction workers took off for the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They get there as like motocross bikers as they try to find Leo and the hitman and they split up to scan the area. And as they look around, Dylan tries to ask uh, Natalie about her and Pete's. And this makes Natalie think that Pete may be proposing to her. Um, and it's just using Dylan to bring up the topic if she wants to, like, get married type of thing. There's also this, like, unknown man in an all-black attire just standing around. <laughs> mm, I wonder who that is. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder who. <laughs> So as the race gets ready, Nally jo joins um, with the uh, hitman and this uh, random guy in a blue outfit that they deem as Leo. Yeah, because uh, he has a lion so, on the back of his helmet and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. That's that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so during the race, the hitman uh, plays dirty and pushes the other competitors off the track causing Alex and Dylan to join to help Natalie. And then <laughs> Natalie, oh, sorry, the hitman spots them following him. And this is probably so, like, this is cheesiest to its core. As he, like, jumps on these, like, hills, there's this, like, super long pause where he just, like, holds his position and fires at them with two guns blazing before yeah. like landing back on his bike and because that <laughs> he makes did that sense. twice that totally makes sense that's logical sure yeah we're in the it. power <laughs> cgi <laughs> yeah <laughs> during the second time that he shoots them now his bike explodes but jumps onto dylan's bike before finding another bike and then as a hitman tries to kill leo the unknown guy um he does like his like foot knife and it's oh, like yeah. one of those like he's got like a knife knives. in the back of his heel and he does like yeah. the flip right <laughs> yeah he like, like what a way to die <laughs> yeah it's so weird he does like a position where he hits the hitman with this knife and then through his the foot, guy no, through his foot yeah. like he's on the bike and he like the knife comes out of his heel and then he does sort of like it's almost like a backflip into yeah. where his heel hits the guy in the chest, he's dead, and then he flips back onto his bike. Yeah. And then when that happened, like, right after that happens, Dylan jumps and kind of, like, crosses, pa like, kind of, like, passes him yeah. and takes, like, his necklace while the guy takes her hair, her lock of hair. Yeah. Uh <laughs> also, too, she's we clearly wearing a wig because she's she's now wearing Natalie's mullet from the previous scene. <laughs> so he they got to recycle that. They yeah, got to so recycle. He, he rips. He's basically ripping the hair out of her wig, but she still screams yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the unknown guy, uh, his bike like hits the structure and explodes. And it turns out to be Creepy Thin Man from the first movie. And he leaves as he's like sniffing her hair, <laughs> her wig. Her wig hair, which definitely smells like something. Because that's how yeah. wigs smell. Like something. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, they check on the hitman who is pronounced dead on the scene and they spot two photos that he contains one of them is um, a kid named Max Petroni which turns out to be the guy that they thought was named Leo and then the other was Dylan which turns out that her original name is Helen Zass. <laughs> Jeanette immediately starts giggling because she's that corny. She just couldn't get through that sentence because she had to giggle at the fact that her name is Helen Zass. <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Jeanette Romadetti. <laughs> when everyone's like, wait, who's Helen Zass? <laughs> so uh they go back to to... no i can do it i can do it so they go back to the office she reveals that she was like put in the witness protection under the government and i guess like because like the government saw potential potential in her they sent her to charlie who allowed her to, to be part of the angels group And after several ass puns, she talks about her ex, Seamus O'Grady, and uh, it does like a flashback to where she was talking about that they were madly in love and like singing to Living on the Prayer. And then like doing like a very weird like tongue kiss. It it was very weird. Yes. (laughs) She was madly in love with him. Until he kills someone right in front of her. Yeah. Like, and like, he didn't think it through. Like, he, they, he was driving and she was in the passenger seat. He gets out of the car. Yeah. She's losing her, sh- sorry, her mind. <laughs> no, you can say shit. Oh, I like, can't. She's using, yeah. I wasn't sure. She's, she's losing her shit because she's just so in love with him. He doesn't give a crap that she's in the car. And then yeah. he just walks up to some dude holding a gun. Clearly there's a gun out. Dude does not seem to care. He's like, what are you doing here? And he shoots him, kills him, and then looks back at Helen to see how she gauges that. Yeah, so and he's good. just smiling like, he's oh, you looks, like that? He, he looks back like, I just killed someone. What's good? <laughs> and she's and she's like, ugh. So clearly she um, reported him or, you know, whatever it is that witnesses do. She witnesses did him and and yeah. he went to jail and he's been in jail indefinitely until i guess now yeah. so yeah. um i just felt like it was weird that like he didn't even be like hey just just so you know i'm planning on killing someone what are your thoughts like he just sort of gets yeah. out of his car and shoots somebody <laughs> yeah and then we also find out that he is the leader of the o'grady irish mob so it's like you didn't realize yeah. that you think he'd be better he at your people. job <laughs> Like, maybe she thought that, oh, like, he was just playing, like, you know, kind of like a gang member who isn't really a gang member, but wants to be in it, but doesn't want to kill people. Maybe she thought that that was what he was. Like, <laughs> yeah, also, too, going from, like, singing Living on the on a Prayer with the love of your life to murdering someone, I feel like there should be, like, a transitional pump-up period that he just didn't have. <laughs> It then cuts to, like, after she was like, yeah, like, he's in prison, like, it's all good. It then cuts cuts to Seamus, who kind of does, like, a 50 cents in the club, like, startup, where he's, like, upside down, doing, like, 
setups. Yeah, because that's the, the so honestly, like I've seen a lot of scenes where some dude is doing sit-ups upside down in in prison or doing pull-ups upside down in prison, and it's like, where yeah. are these low bars where you can just do workouts <laughs> and they can hold your I'll- weight? <laughs> Also, like, aren't they, like, worried that people are going to, like, harm the- themselves, like, hang them? Like, You would think. You would think. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I love that I we're know. digging into the logic of such a campy <laughs> movie. <laughs> it cuts to him leaving prison for unknown reasons with only the clothes that he came with and a picture of Dylan. And he meets up to this unknown figure who gives him the titanium rings and an updated picture of Dylan. And then it just go- cuts back to the office where Max reveals that O'Grady killed his parents and he testified in a trial against him. And so they believe that there's like a connection with the other victims who were also uh, people who testified against O'Grady and his men. And they believe that he's trying to kill all the people who testified against him and which is apparently uh, Dil- a long list <laughs> apparently yeah. <laughs> like who who knew that helen's ass would not recognize that this guy killed a lot of people you know i just want to clap for a second because you managed to say helen's ass without giggling so good for you that's a that's a milestone everyone that's a milestone <laughs> <laughs> I should get like one of those PlayStation like plaques or you know you know when you complete something yeah that's you an get, achievement like, yeah yeah that should be an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> so Dylan uh shows them the necklace that she took from Creepy Thin Man, and Max reveals that that's the same nef- necklace that he got from his orphanage that he went to. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie notes that Max is now under their protection, to which Bosley takes him to his mom's house in South Central. Now, this is, okay, just so everyone knows, this is before SoFi Stadium, before, you know, Starbucks came in and Target came in yeah. and pushed everyone out. Just so you know. Right. <laughs> he takes Max to his mom's house and he assures him that there will be no O'Grady entering this neighborhood at all and And it's true like they're basically in the hood there's no way that some irish wannabe is gonna you know come rolling in there with his guys and not you know basically die (laughs) yeah basically uh i think just wearing like his mohawk would probably kill him they'll be like what the fuck is up with your hair why are you here like you you're sketchy where's your shirt where's your shirt at the very least run him out he's not he's not committing crimes without like getting his ass handed to him (laughs) yeah uh so meanwhile the women head to the orphanage as nuns and they talk to mother superior who informed them that creepy thin man is actually named anthony who is named after the saint uh anthony for the mute (laughs) sure is that true did you google that (laughs) No, that's what uh, Carrie Fisher. Well, no, said. no, no. I'm wondering if, like, if that's legit or did they just make that up? Saint Anthony is the is the patron uh, saint of the mute. <laughs> I don't know, cause I know that there's like a lot of Saint Anthony's, and like they just like have like random. See, now we need to know. know. So um, momentary break while we figure this out. <laughs> symbolism. 
there's oh you're right there's a ton of anthony's yeah there's a anthony or anthony of at padua who yeah was a portuguese catholic padua. yeah yeah i feel like they just made that up that's not a thing <laughs> yeah i think like they were just like okay let's like do a google search of like a saint a patron saint for the mute say anthony okay let's go let's go for that uh, <laughs> so uh oh there is a she... patron saint of the mute it's his name saint drogo oh that would have been an interesting name drogo. that would have been interesting yeah yeah, but before that's before Game of Thrones, so it probably would have oh. resonated as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? If they knew that it was going to be a Game of Thrones reference, they would have been ahead of... They would have been like the Simpsons, okay? They would have been like Simpsons level. He's also the patron saint of shepherds and coffee, because that's, <laughs> that, that's something that needs to be... <laughs> okay. Um, you were saying. But yeah. So... <laughs> She talks about how, like, he came in to the orphanage when he was seven, believing that he was a part of, like, a gypsy family who probably died from an accident. It's unknown. But they find that he's healthy, but it's just mute. And then she talks about how he always had a thing for hair. And here you have, like, a flashback of Carrie Fisher having this, like, this like random strand of hair yeah like, like a blonde and it's not a blonde yeah. strand of hair hanging out of her uh, yeah. uh nun's outfit <laughs> yeah. which is not a thing nuns do that made no, no. sense <laughs> so he like basically like she was saying like yeah like he pulls like people's hair whenever he whenever you tried to like cut his hair during his like monthly haircuts and he, she later states that he left the orphanage only to come back for his monthly haircut and would send gifts uh, to the place. And she even shows him, shows them the recent uh, gift that he gave, which was the car that the hitman had. And uh, <laughs> Natalie just like takes like a sample of bird poop on the hood from the light of the car. Yeah, because <laughs> la last uh, last movie, she was like really into birds and she knew about them. So apparently they've extended her interest in birds to bird poop. And so she's playing with the bird poop in order to identify who, what type of bird pooped on this car. Yeah. It's a, it's a low point for, uh, for Natalie, I would say. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but yeah, like as like they were leaving, uh, Dylan believes that the thin man was actually protecting max because if they're going for the same coming from the same orphanage i'm assuming that he's trying to protect him mm -hmm. uh so back at alex's house jason meets alex's dad and it's also kind of like another innuendo where jason mentions about alex's career but doesn't specify what she does yeah. so it comes comes out that Alex's dad believes that she's an escort. <laughs> yeah, and just so we're clear, like, this is another thing that I don't love about this relationship, but, like, so Matt LeBlanc's character is, like, <clears throat> cleaning her house, even though they're on a break, so he shouldn't even be at her house. And yeah. just fully lays into, like, oversharing her business with her father. Um, who he has not been introduced to yet. He, so he's just, for some reason, he has a key to her house. He's cleaning her house. 
and he decides to lay in and basically insinuate that um, his ex, the uh, Alex's dad's daughter, is a prostitute. Like, I just think that's... It, it felt very intrusive and cringy, so I just... Yeah. I didn't love that. <laughs> After that weird incident, the women head to the marina where they spot the O'Grady mob men. Mm-hmm. And they spot one heading to this burlesque place that's just right next door called Treasure Treasure Chest. And so they head over to pretend to be one of the acts, uh, which is kind of like a burlesque uh, performance. And as Natalie performs this martini um, sequence, uh, Alex and Dylan distract the men and kind of like do like a lap dance in front of him while taking the guy's ID and his papers before leaving. And then that night, Bosley disguises himself as a cargo man, uh, bringing this like heavy wall statue with three women. And um, yeah, well, you skipped she... over the part where like Bernie Mac tries to convince the one of the Irish guys that he's Irish too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was like, oh, I'm black Irish, you He's know like, that? where do you like, think we got the shamrock shake from? <laughs> like, yeah, Lucky Charms, you ever heard of that? Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, he convinces the inspector that he's Irish, and then they accept the package and bring it into the warehouse. And it turns out the women were in this statue, which is, I would say that's kind of a weird, like, place to put yourself in, like... Yeah, I think, I think the weirder part was that they felt the need to be naked in order to get into it. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's why I totally forgot. (laughs) I remember that. No, I remember that they had, like, when they did the Y shots they were wearing kind of like leotards like nude yeah leotards. They, were, but they were like yeah i guess that's true they it, they were like um nude colored leotards yeah and i and they were in the marble statue marble i guess it was not marble but cast yeah iron i don't know whatever but like <laughs> i don't know that stuff um but they sort of fall out of it and they're fair they look nude but then they mm-hmm. sort of cut away and cut back and they're suddenly fully dressed. So they still had to bring clothes in, right? So why didn't they wear clothes? <laughs> why didn't they just wear clothes? <laughs> so yeah, after that weird moment where they just randomly change, uh, <laughs> they break into the arm vault uh, to find the two rings. And they did that by like pouring champagne and this like tray of rings uh, because titanium floats. Uh I wonder but how as... much of the, these these little known facts of theirs are true. I feel like none of them. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> We're at the point where like we need to accept that none of this is true. <laughs> right. <laughs> but as they leave, Seamus O'Grady, who is without a shirt. Yeah, because uh... he, he doesn't own one. Remember? No. He doesn't own one. Yeah, doesn't. <laughs> uh... Like, I don't get cold. Yeah, no, not at all. He's in California. It doesn't get cold in California, does it? Not at all. Uh, So as... So he, like, stops them and, like, his men... Um, you know, oh, yeah, one more, one more comment on that real quick. I just realized that all of Justin Thoreau's uh, scenes are at night. <laughs> so, just all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's a vampire. Who knows? Oh, he's definitely a vampire. <laughs> okay. 
So he's like, get me the rings. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true, though. Oh, I'm not saying it because it's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's like, get me the rings. He's like, get me the rings. <laughs> that was very odd. <laughs> Dylan hands the rings back. And then Seamus gives them to his henchmen with Natalie saying like, oh, we're going to get it back within like 45 seconds. And then Alex shuts down the light. And as the ladies try to do like this set up a tactic using Morse code with each other. Yeah, which made no sense. Like they're in the dark doing Morse code to tell each other what they're about to do. They could have just been yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Seamus turns on the lights and is like, I really like it when the lights are on. <laughs> yeah, which is another sex joke. Yeah. Uh, so the women fight the men. Uh, Seamus fights Dylan. And it's kind of really weird because they do kind of like weird sex positions yep. while they're fighting. Uh, oh, yeah. No, the- oh, my God. He like forces her up against a table and like spreads her legs. I'm like, you could have just punched her. This seemed yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to do that. You don't need to kiss her. No. With your face covered in blood? No. 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 You you ever heard of like uh, SUDs, AIDS? Like um, that's like pretty. <laughs> SUDs. Pretty. Pretty, <laughs> pretty important. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> nice. So Natalie knocks down the henchman to capture the rings, and she's like, "Oh, I got it." Uh, and then they like head through the roof. And they do this sequence where they're like, they flip themselves over to where their feet are pointing towards the roof. And then they just like hit this like weight, like this like heavy box that was up in the air. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of do like a weight distribution where the box falls and then they go up. Yeah. They hit the roof. And then (laughs) like, again, the power of CGI, they take these boards and then um, use them as like skateboards to kind of like slide down the rope. And it's like back two to by fours. Floor. They're like two by four um, wood planks that they slide down um, like a big like chain. I guess it's the chain for like an anchor of a big ship. You yeah. Know? Fully impractical, but they do it. And they and they use them almost like like yeah, like you said, like snowboards down down yeah. these chains and then land perfectly no injuries whatsoever onto a concrete no. street <laughs> so. yeah and then also like Seamus he just jumps off the boat which is a big boat it's like the Queen Mary boat right and he just lands on his feet again on concrete and he's wearing leather boots by the way yeah. fully uninjured no and he follows him with a hatchet and also and cl- the- just so we're clear there's no shirt that has been put on. Nope. He's still no shirtless. Shirt. Yeah. He's got his like straps. Yeah, he's you know, he's got like, suspenders just hanging suspenders. from his uh are, are he's they not on? Even using them. Yeah, no, they're just they're just there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to hold up his skinny jeans. <laughs> uh Natalie and Alex like uh they light up the area with gasoline and Dylan use like her uh Zillow or you know the uh lighter lighter yes uh <laughs> to ignite the gasoline yeah but they did nothing at- like uh lucy lou's just holding a pipe that shoots i guess you're saying gas out it didn't even look like gas it looked like some sort of air and like she just points it in their direction and then suddenly 
a line of fire comes in between them, even though Lucy mm-hmm. Liu was not even pointing it there. <laughs> so yeah. it like there was someone who you can't see who actually set that up for them. And then Lucy Liu's just holding the pipe so that they we can say, oh, yeah, fire. And that's fire. And all the fire. <laughs> so it made no sense. Yeah. So as, like, uh, Natalie and Alex head to the boat, Dylan falls behind as Seamus walks through the fire, again, uninjured, uh, claiming that he'll kill Alex and Natalie before killing her. And then she just leaves and catches up with Alex and Natalie. And then there's, like, a weird segment, like, weird shots where they're at Bosley's mom's house and they're playing Clue. Yeah, they just, like, cut, they cut from all that seriousness to a comedic scene where Shia LaBeouf is playing Clue with a bunch of black people in the hood. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, like, they just, like, cut, like, they just uh, zoom in on a photo of Bosley, the Bill Murray Bosley, just randomly there. Like yeah, they, no pictures. They needed, but they needed that scene though. They needed they needed to corroborate why Bill Murray and Bernie Mac are brothers. So I, you know, even though it was cheesy, I appreciated them for clearing that up. They adopted a young Bill Murray into their family, and he lived with them in Inglewood by himself, <laughs> and he was raised by Wilona from Good Times. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> and then it also cuts to like Jason again talking to Alex's dad about Alex's job and again more into like the sex worker job and then Alex comes in and again like it's another like they don't specify what she does so he just continues to feel like that his daughter is a sex worker like it yeah again it's and i feel so like I, I don't know what co- like because they're saying like he had sort of a talk about being accepting of it but like i feel like a dad would ask more questions you know yeah just you know like just so we're clear you're a sex worker honey like none of that he just sort of accepts it because matt leblanc yeah. told him to <laughs> A man he met that morning. (laughs) So silly. And then it also cuts to Natalie attending a high school reunion with Pete. And apparently there were both mascots for their high school. Like Pete was a cock. And Natalie was a beaver. They literally said that. I'm not joking. They did. And I didn't put that together until you just said it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and then she like she's like, "Oh, I got to use the restroom. It's just one number one, no big deal." Um and apparently the ladies' restroom is locked, so she goes into the men's restroom. And while she's there, two guys enter and she kind of like panics, so she like p- puts herself to where they can't see her feet. And she's, like, kind of, like, holding against, like, the stalls, right? Yeah, but before we get into that, I just want to point out another wardrobe thing for me. But the second time now we've seen her wearing, um, like, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But it's, like, it's definitely boys' underwear because it's got the little flap. So it's, like, she's wearing youth boys' Spider-Man underwear. Like, uh, briefs. 
youth boys briefs. Um, And I don't know why they thought that would be hot or what, but it was interesting (laughs) to see. (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's like, this lady doesn't have, like, more underwear. Like, seriously. It's just... Like, you, you it, it's almost like she, like, for some reason, someone thought that was attractive for Drew, uh, Drew, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz to, like, pull down in the, the stall. She's, like, in the stall, and she pulls down her underwear, and it's boys' briefs. Like, you know, for children. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I'm now alarmed about the more I talk about it. <laughs> Like we, somebody needs to go check on who came up with that idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, the two guys entered the restroom and they kind of mentioned about Pete uh, going to ask Natalie a question. And again, it's like another innuendo or like uncertain of what they're really talking about. And it makes Natalie believe that, oh, like he's going to propose to her and yeah especially since um dylan brought it up before so now she's heard it from two separate people that pete may propose but she's alarmed like she's like we just moved in together why would he do that Mm -hmm. so yeah and then like her stalls for some reason this woman who's like this petite woman i mean like she's not petite but like she's wearing used underwear let's be honest Mm -hmm. like she's pretty petite she just miraculously like breaks the stalls and then they just like collapse in front of her like you know yeah they just sort of fall over in like one of those moments where (laughs) she's just she's got superhuman strength and they all collapse on top of her yeah (laughs) so she goes to Pete, who tries to ask her this question but when she tries to go first she like stumbles into a bunch of balloons and then she breaks the awkwardness by doing a dance routine. And then after the dance, Natalie asked Pete about the question. She had to but... do that dance routine because it was in the first one. They, there was a exactly. lot of callbacks. She had to do that. That was the one thing that made the most sense. And also, too, by the way, they did Donna Summer, and I love Donna Summer. So that was yes. actually fun for me. <laughs> but as, like, she, uh, yeah, like, she asked him like what was the question and he's like oh i'll I'll talk about it later and then they kiss and then (laughs) and then it cuts again to dylan who's um decides to leave the organization and then she leaves behind her the stuff that i guess like she shared with them and then the letter saying like okay like i'm leaving because i don't want to hurt you guys i don't want you guys to get killed for my actions and Charlie reveals that Seamus was released by someone, making Natalie and Alex wonder who would have such a power to release someone like Seamus. And just then, (laughs) Ray Carter stops by the agency to pick up the rings, and as he leaves, Bosley throws a set of keys to him, thinking that it's for him, and Ray catches it with no problem, and they kind of do like a quick flashback to him like saying that oh he got injured yeah he like, was supposed while to while he was held captive yeah he broke his ribs but he was able to catch those keys though so, which so is you know they... nice i feel like it's the most logical thing that happens in the movie <laughs> yeah 
So they soon discovered that Ray didn't have a rib injury. And as Ray drives away, Alex catches up with him on this uh, lounge. You know, kind of like one of those like equipment that the Winter Olympic people yeah. do. She's wearing like, going... a, like a gray bodysuit and helmet. And she's like losing down probably the sketchiest road ever um, yes. to catch up to his car. Yeah. While Natalie falls behind in another car, also in like a wig. and Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't bother to look back at all. Like he doesn't question no. any of it. You know, he's just, he's just driving. He's having a good time. He's gotten what he needed. You know, all's yeah. good in the world. You know, these movies make guys seem so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, whatever, but, like, they just make guys seem so, like, uneducated and just, like, like all the common sense has just gone out the window. So, in an appreciation for men for a second, I know you guys are at least a little bit smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that there were, like, at least some form of uh, college ed education. Yeah, sure, you know? sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe high school, you know, for just to lowball it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a wide so, range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miraculously, Bosley just somehow, with the power of movies, just is up way ahead of everyone <laughs> and is, like, acting as, like, a crossing guard for these, I'm assuming, elementary school Yeah, very, students. very irritated children. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that are so, they so want to go to school. Like and, and just so we're clear, right? He's a crossing guard for a, for a bunch of kids who need to cross from the side of a cliff to a mountain. So there's no school. <laughs> it makes no sense where they're going. <laughs> my, no, it's funny because like my roommate um, pointed this out. She's like, they just did they just walk into the mountain? Like there was nothing there. <laughs> they're in the middle of a desert. And there's like 10 children who just need to cross the street in that moment at that part of the street. <laughs> oh, this movie, this movie. <laughs> so, yeah. So like... All this craziness is happening, and then uh, Ray calls this unknown figure, and he got the rings, before calling the heads of each mob, including Seamus, uh, to meet up with him at, like, this unknown location in Hollywood, uh, and... <laughs> And just as he continues to drive, Bosley, Bosley spots him and then just steps into the road and kind of like holds his stop sign, <laughs> almost getting hit by yeah. this guy. And and also, too, just so we're clear, uh, Ray doesn't notice who he is, even though he just saw Bosley 10 minutes ago. And exactly. It's just, it's just Bernie Mac with a really bad beard. But for some reason, he doesn't realize that's him. <laughs> no. Once that happens, uh, then, like, the team reconvenes. And meanwhile, Dylan heads uh, to a bar in Mexico. Why Mexico? I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> Isn't she from California? Why would she go to Mexico? Exactly. <laughs> Just to drink one drink. <laughs> so while she's at this bar, uh, she gets, like, hit by this guy. Like, this guy slaps her in the butt. And she kind of just like, okay, whatever. Goes to the bar, gets a drink. And then Kelly Garrett, uh, one of the OG angels, uh, 
appears in front of her. Yeah, but like and... they do it like touched by an angel, so it looks like she's dead and like she came from the heavens to talk to her in that bar. Yeah. So yeah, just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah. And uh while um they're talking, Dylan reveals that she left to protect her friends, but Kelly assures that her friends are more in danger than they are before. And then she also tells her that the past doesn't show who she is and assures that she is born to be an angel. It's kind of like also saying like anyone can be an angel, basically. Like there is no such thing as a specific, you know, person to be an angel. And when Kelly disappears, Dylan spots this magazine about astrology, causing her to believe who the main person might be. And then it cuts back to Natalie and Alex, who follow Ray to the Griffith, Griffith Observatory, which is empty. Like, no one's there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm getting ready for what you're about to say. Go for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he gets there, and he's like, we did it. We did it, you know, as a team. Like, we got the rings. You know, we got, we're going to get the money. Yay. And he gets shot down. And then okay, so this is what I need to talk about. So okay. he goes to meet someone at the observatory. Why? Don't know. There's nothing else oh. up there. Okay, but that's what they agreed on. So he finds his partner standing in the actual like telescope, right? So he she doesn't he or she doesn't even meet with Ray at like ground level, right? And so he's raising his arms like we did it, partner. Yeah. <laughs> right? We did it. It doesn't, doesn't question the fact one that they didn't want to meet him at ground level. Two, they're clearly pointing a gun at him, <laughs> right? He's just like he just takes the bait very easily. He's like, "I'm ready to die. We did it, partner. Let's have it." And then he gets murdered. And you know what? In that moment, he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Nally and Alex, like, they get there. They're shocked that he got murdered. Even though it was pretty obvious he oh was going to get murdered. Oh my gosh, he's dead. <laughs> and then there's like the slow like motion of the telescope turning. Yep. To reveal it to be Madison Lee. Demi Moore. Who claims, yeah, who claims that she hates the partner thing. Yeah. It, and, then, yeah. and then just a lot of like annoying, overly sexualized showboating from her. Um, yeah, and I and it f made me feel like I need to watch a Demi Moore movie where she acts well. <laughs> that's that's basically what it is because it was, it was, the rest of her scenes are just hard to watch because I feel like she's doing the most and it's not working for me. <laughs> and I'm no. like, does she have any movies where she's good at acting? Because I was struggling to to believe her and like enjoy her ah. presence like it was just it was rough <laughs> honestly like i don't think so because like even with ghosts she's not that great and scarlet the scarlet letter was horrible uh yeah gary Ullman was the only person that was like the best and that was it like um yeah i don't know i think she's just like one of those actresses that basically was hired for looks you know mm -hmm. no offense you know it happens yeah. but i mean just out of everybody that was there even the folks who did cameos like it just felt like 
she was she she tried something that just didn't work yeah yeah just her delivery was weird it was weird yeah maybe it could have been mig g misdirecting her that's possible yeah so madison is like yeah like i didn't want to do the partner thing that's why i left that's why i'm a fallen angel and then dylan joins the women and you know she's like oh yeah like it was madison this entire time it's like yeah we we we're just finding this out like <laughs> it's just weird that like she wanted to like dismantle charlie's angels because she didn't want to do the partner thing like yeah i, I don't understand why quitting wasn't enough for her <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah there's like another scene coming up that really goes further into what actually happened but yeah, yeah but still <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's she does this like weird speech that I kind of forgot what she was talking about. Because it doesn't matter. Then, it doesn't it, matter. <laughs> exactly. And then she just shoots them down in like this very weird CGI look. And they all fall into yeah. the ground. No, the, she, she uses her ob- obnoxious golden handguns, okay, that are way too long and clearly phallic symbols. And she points them at them. She shoots them. They're still full-grown women, but for some reason, the kickback er, is so strong that it knocks them off of a, a building, and they fall down a cliff. Right? It, yeah. She's not holding a shotgun. She's just holding really obnoxiously large handguns, and it shoots and it knocks three women off of their, like, off their center of gravity, and they fall backwards into I don't know a cliff. <laughs> It's like not explained at all. The, I feel like there's definitely like a ropes guy, or maybe it's just the bad CGI you were talking about, who just got his money worth for that one. <laughs> exactly. While they're just like laying there, uh, Madison heads to the agency and answers a call from Charlie. And Charlie admits that Madison never accepted the team as a family. And then he also accuses her of going rogue on a case. And when they found her, she was so injured that they didn't think that she could come back. So then they kind of just like made her resign without telling her that she got resigned. Uh, okay, I guess I can understand why she'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'd do the so, same. <laughs> so upset, she, you know, is like talking, talking, talking. And then I remember her last line that she was like, I wasn't good. I was great. And then she's like crying as she shoots Charlie's voice box. Yeah, she really and, told uh, him. <laughs> yeah. You can't fucking like talk to her again. Uh, God forbid he has a cell phone. <laughs> he could just call her back and be like, I wasn't finished. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you just shoot my voice box? <laughs> you know, that's going to be a $150 yeah. charge because they don't make these yeah. anymore. I'm going to send you a bill for that. <laughs> the woman uh, somehow wake up after just like, I don't know, three hours or something. Yeah. And they reveal that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Uh, not, not even vests. They're like bulletproof like bustiers. Yeah, and 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 like Bosley makes a a a mention of it in the beginning of the movie where he's like, these seem very expensive. Do you really need these? And they're like, yes, we do. And so I felt like, yeah, the payoff was there. 
you know? But also, too, if they're in Bulletproof Bustiers, they fell off a cliff, and they wake up just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, these guns. You guys didn't experience this before? Like, what's going on? Seriously. Like, you, like, you think you've never been shot before? <laughs> Uh, so as they tried to deduce where Madison would be, Nally reveals that she may be heading to Hollywood right before Nally's car explodes. Again, it's a call back to the first film because her car got exploded in that film. Yeah. Yes, but when they ex- explode, they get shot back. And even though they're in separate places, they fly back into separate places. Somehow they all end up in some sort of weird twister pretzel on top yeah. of each other <laughs> with, with Dylan like, in, Dylan's in, yes. yeah, in Cameron Diaz's ass <laughs> <laughs> and then she pops out and it's like we need a new plan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so during Jason's movie premiere that night Bosley his mother and Max attend the red carpet event while the mob groups drop off the money in exchange to gather names for the witness protection. They go to like random locations meeting like three like random men. Uh, and one of the men hands the mob groups a matchbox uh, to the Roosevelt Hotel. However, once Seamus heads to the hotel, he spots the bellhopper with a particular butt, making him second guess. <laughs> Remember that? that? Yes, yes. He, I, I, don't, I hate the way you said it. <laughs> he spots the bellhop with a particular butt. <laughs> it's a, a fine butt, I must say. <laughs> no, the bellhop is like a Latin guy, and he's standing by the elevator. Right. And as he walks away, Seamus, who we think is having a moment where he questions his sexuality, stares a little bit too hard at this man's behind. And it pays off later. But at first, he's just looking real hard at this. This And by the way, Latin man is like middle aged Latin man. And he's looking at him dead center in his behind his his particular butt. His particular butt. His particular butt. Uh, So... Uh, the mob group head to the rooftop where they are then arrested by the FBI and Madison also enters the the rooftop but for the Los Angeles theater only to reveal that she's witnessing everyone getting arrested through a telescope and then Allie, Alex, and Dylan reveal themselves that they are just the three men that were disguised. Yes, they're they're all wearing masks, and so basically, Seamus sees this uh, this middle aged Latin bellhop. His his ass is so particular that it was able to um, warn him not to go to the the rooftop because he's like, I know that ass anywhere. It's Helen's ass. <laughs> so that's. That's how they did that, because Brew Barrymore's behind is clearly that distinguishable. <laughs> yes, apparently. Yeah. Like, you think that all white women are the same. You would think. Apparently, <laughs> you may be wrong. No, no. In they're... terms of Justin Theroux. Yeah, butt prints wrong. are like fingerprints. <laughs> and in this case, they're not singed off. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> <laughs> 
they take Madison's guns away and they talk to her right before Seamus comes in with a shotgun. He's like, I know that ass from like far away. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Irish accent. <laughs> Terrible Irish accent, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And he's not Canadian either. <laughs> No, he's American. He's American with a terrible uh, zest for accents. <laughs> so Natalie and Madison fight. Seamus and Dylan fight. Alex just fights other she people. She fights everybody. Alex, they just <laughs> like the two white girls have one person, and they sent the Asian girl to fight everyone else <laughs> <laughs> in true American fashion. <laughs> yes. While Alex is fighting, she encounters Creepy Thin Man. But when Creepy Thin Man encounters her, he is actually, like, fighting for her. So <laughs> so he then goes to Seamus, who has, like, Dylan almost, like, near the edge of the rooftop. And he throws Seamus off the roof. And then he, like, has, like, this very Hollywood romantic scene where it's kind of like very hollywoody where he had like he dips her makes out with her before pulling a lock of her hair and yeah so, so now he's ripped her hair out twice you'd think he would kept the last lock of hair and knew what that smelled like but also we established it's a wig so maybe not <laughs> maybe not he's like i need to go back in for that real shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she reveals that he, she also pulled a lock of his hair, causing him to, causing them to have, like, this, like, perfect moment. Right before Seamus stabs him, and he falls to the ground, killing him. Yeah, he needed to go, though, because he was very weird. Bit. He was very yeah. weird. <laughs> and then, uh, during the scuffle, Dylan is, like, holding on to this fallen E that's, like, kind of in between buildings, yeah, it's like and... a marquee, like a big mm -hmm. light up marquee on the side of a building. And so she was she's like hanging on from it. Yeah. While like she's like holding on, she kicks like this light bulb into Seamus's eye, blinding him, and apparently he just forgets not to move or like he forgets to like just stay in place and he steps forward and falls into the same area as the creepy thin man. And he gets stabbed right with the same sword that he stabbed Creepy Thin Man. Yep. And he tries to get away, but the E falls towards him as Creepy Thin Man holds him. And they both die on impact. And sure. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Yep. The that end of sense. the... Yeah. <laughs> it's the end uh, of the two weirdest guys in the movie. <laughs> yes. I thought his death uh, was kind of uneventful, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought there'd be more to it, but no, he just he just fell and uh, and died. It's like yeah. okay, sure. Uh, so Madison then blows off the rooftop and flies away, and kind of like this like hamster, those like flying hamster look like. Um, oh suits. yeah, she's like a flying squirrel suit. Yeah, like the a, flying squirrel. When you do like base jumping, is it base jumping? Where, like, people will jump off a cliff, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And it's, like, a bodysuit yeah. that's got, like, wings, so you look like a flying squirrel. And you're supposed to, like, catch the wind. Yeah. And so she jumps off wearing one of those. 
And it's not even like an official like suit. It's like a mesh, literally see-through like chiffon. Like, yeah. And also too, like those suits are supposed to be for like way bigger cliffs. She she jumps off like a maybe 10-story building, right? Yeah. And is able to fly over just like La Brea <laughs> or whatever street it is. <laughs> yeah, I think they're on Broadway. Oh, at this yeah. Point. And then she lands on like a car that probably was the same car from Austin Powers, the International Man of Mystery yeah. one. <laughs> and they go in and like as she's in the car, Dylan, Alex, and Natalie, they kind of like do a Tarzan move and take the lights from the rooftop and kind of just like glide their way down to Madison and land on her car yeah and, and no one's injured no one's injured yet it's just no, you know they're no just injured they just fall on a car from a building everything's yeah. good and then a bomb is like heading towards the red carpet that's just like right across the street from the los angeles theater but bosley hits it out uh with this like metal pole that he found and then it explodes in the air Everyone's like, ooh, and ah, because they didn't know that, like, it was a fucking bomb. Then it cuts to, like, the women in the car just, like, fighting with Madison as she's, like, driving down Broadway. Kind of, like, one by one, they each, like, fall out of the car. First is Alex, then it's Dylan, and then Natalie and Madison crash into another theater and land... And, and I remember on the stage, like when they fly off the car, um, I remember thinking Lucy Liu is wearing like mesh stockings and a skirt, right? Mm -hmm. You would think she'd be more badly beaten up than that, but nope. she is fairly unscathed with the exception of like maybe a scrape. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just, just pointing that one out. <laughs> <laughs> So they survive miraculously with only like uh, a couple of like bones out of place and all they had to do is just like hit like a shoulder. <laughs> yeah, they there. totally do. They're like crack, crack, <laughs> crack, crack, and they're good. We're ready yeah. to fight And then they again. go into fighting mode. <laughs> so Madison knocks Natalie down before holding her at gunpoint. And though Madison has the upper hand, Natalie says that she has friends, causing Alex to, and Dylan to join. Yeah, because that, that's how she's got the upper hand, because she has friendship. <laughs> yeah, it's all about friends. Yeah, but I guess that's the whole point. Like, she she wanted to dismantle Charlie's Angels because she felt like she could do it all by herself. She doesn't have friendship, so she's ultimately going to lose. Yeah. So they threw in that heartwarming lesson for the children in, uh, in this lovely, lovely movie. <laughs> They do like this like weird like team combo where Natalie holds like Dylan and Alex as they like kick Madison into the basement and then as she's falling into the basement she hits this gas pipe and then like decides yeah I'm gonna shoot in the air. Yeah. And then she shoots explosion 
she gets killed. Yeah, it's a very weird uh <laughs> death then, by like, falling mar- into fire. <laughs> yeah. And then miraculously the rings are found. Yeah. With they, no they don't damage. go with her. They don't go with her. <laughs> yeah. They just, they just roll by the feet of the angels. She falls into basically hell <laughs> and they're completely fine. <laughs> And then they just attend the theater, the yeah. the premiere. Yeah, because they because the as we as we've already established, they already conveniently have clothes at their disposal. <laughs> they get to the premiere and they find out that Mama Bosley is going to adopt Max. Peter asks Natalie if they can have a puppy, to which it turns out to be the big question that he was going to ask her this entire time. And yeah, nothing about marriage. He's just as corny as she is, and all he wants to do is adopt a dog. So. Yeah, which he already did without, <laughs> right. like, maybe talking it over to her. <laughs> yeah, or, like, bringing up the breed. He's like, I already got the puppy. If you guys yeah. live together, where have you been hiding this puppy for the last, what, week? <laughs> yeah. Alex informs her father, who still believes that she's an escort, that they just satisfy another client. Again, it's very innuendo. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but he continues to support her. And then Jason. Yeah, no tries questions to touch asked. Her. Yeah, that's I support. It. And she says something like, "We took on twelve sailors," and he's like, "I'm so proud of you." Yeah. Yeah, and then he and then she also says something about like Madison. It's like, oh yeah, like and she was like very hard, but you know we managed to flip her over and like you know it's a done deal like. Yeah, that's uh, sure. Uh, Jason <laughs> tries to touch Alex. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she does the same thing, like flips him to the ground. Yeah. So yeah, she flips. And... She flips Jason at his own premiere on the red carpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she apologizes to him before stating that their time out is over. Before making out in front of paparazzis, which are loving it. They're right. like, oh my god. And you know, so I'm curious good. as to what made her change her mind. Is she did she feel apologetic enough because she flipped him twice that she was like, uh, eh, maybe I should give this guy a second chance. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. I'm in public. Yeah. That'd be kinda weird. He told all my business to my dad, but I flipped him twice in public, so maybe I should, you know, date him again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Uh, Natalie comes back to Dylan to reveal her that Pete was going to give her a puppy. And Dylan asks if Natalie is going to leave the team, but Natalie assures her that she isn't. And then Dylan asks Alex, who also comes in and does like a pun, call back to the neurosurgeon job uh, <laughs> to being like, oh, it's a no brainer. Ha, like, ha, 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 ha. End of ha, movie. <laughs> And a movie. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's quite uh, a movie. I didn't realize <laughs> it definitely how bad was the... a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad the CGI was, but it was also like so weird and just like you could tell like that they didn't really like care about like trying to put more effort it was almost like that they were just doing it for fun which you know yeah i liked it yeah if you if you Um, when you watch the movie if you think of it like that that you know it's they're just trying to have a good time like they already did what they like set out to do which was revamp 
Charlie's Angels, and they, and to be honest, like one of the only um, modern day iterations of Charlie's Angels that is successful, right? Because um, you really people aren't aren't doing a great job with Charlie's Angels beyond that first movie that that was produced by Drew Barrymore, so like they sort of went into it like we accomplished that it was successful let's have fun with it let's have all our friends here like let's do extra crazy random campy things um and you know they just had a they had a ball it didn't do well but you know they had fun you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i just like i just like totally forgot that justin throw was in it and i totally forgot that he didn't have a shirt on for like 90% of the film. Yeah. The only part and... that he does have a shirt on is when he's staring at uh, this Latin man's uh, behind. Yes. Because um, that's when he's they like... thought it was important for him to be wearing a shirt. Which he promptly removes. <laughs> great, great bad movie. Like, yeah. if you don't really care about, like, the style or anything, it's really great. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Just the shade. <laughs> I mean, I still liked it. Yeah, it's fine. I yeah, it's it's what it, you have to go into it with, um, with low expectations. But it's a it's fine for that. Like if you just want to have fun on like a Saturday night, like that's a it's a good movie. It's fun, especially if you watch the first one. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I would recommend it for the same thing. Like you know, if you're just like hanging out, chilling, that's yeah. great. Yeah, like, um, it's it's a fun movie to, like, go back and watch with, like, your friends, you know? You know, so you can, like, talk. And, and like, it's one of the things, like, when I watched it, I watched it, um, like I said, with my roommate. And we talked through the whole movie. <laughs> Just, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And, like, do you, what's what's uh, uh, Cameron Diaz doing now? I don't think she's acting anymore. Like, we were talking the whole time. <laughs> so, it's one of those movies. That is it for this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Jane A N D M underscore podcast. Uh, if you like this vi- video, please rate and review. And Zinga, any last words? Uh, no, just thank you so much for having me. Like, I can't wait to be back and like do some more of these because <laughs> this was a whole lot of fun. So I'm really excited about the, uh, hearing this and, and hearing what you guys think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, for next time, we may do, like, a special episode with Elise to talk about Bird Box. Yeah. And to just talk about just everything. Yeah, and we also we also talked about doing the newest Charlie's Angels, the one with, um, uh, yeah. what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth Baines and, and um, yeah, yeah, that one. Kristen Stewart. It, it only makes sense that we finish off the, uh, the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> the modern Charlie's Angels movies. <laughs> That has none of the original cast. No, it's good. It's gonna be so much more different. <laughs> I know. I heard. But yeah, uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you again. Thank you, Nzinga. And we'll hear you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>